Hey guys, happy Wednesday. I'm Lynn Nitcher, your host for Drive Through Moms. Each episode, we're going to be talking to ordinary moms that are serving others in extraordinary ways. I can't wait for you to hear how God is using these amazing women to impact the lives of those around them. Here we go. Hey, Alexa, welcome. Hey. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the Drive Through Moms podcast. I'm super excited to get to talk to you. Of course. Thank you for having yeah. me. I'm really excited. Yeah. When it's um, funny because when I first started thinking about doing this, um, which a little bit is in the intro episode as to why I started all this, but when I first started thinking about, you know what, I think I'll make this a podcast. Uh, you were one of the first people that God put on my heart about, okay, you need to talk to Alexa. Mm-hmm. She has an amazing story um, and people need to hear this. Moms need to know and and kind of be able to go through and talk through some of the same things. And um, so I'm super excited and thankful that you agreed to do this. Of course. So before I get you to kind of dive into a little bit about your background um, before kids and Eric and all that fun stuff, um, I wanted to just tell you about my first memory of you. I don't know if this is scary or not, but the very first, the, <laughs> my, my very first memory of you, I think is one of the sweetest. Um, when we both worked together, right, mm-hmm. at a private uh, Christian school, and mm-hmm. my very first memory was going around um, the building and talking to the teachers and kind of navigating, you know, how they were setting up their classrooms and how they were decorating mm-hmm. and did, were they following procedure? Or did it have everything right they were supposed to have? And <laughs> I just remember you had taken such care um, and picked out, you know, this really cute fabric um to put on the bulletin board because one of the things we learned from one of our directors and a friend of ours um, from the previous year was, um, you know, that we were there to point littles to Jesus. And that at the end of the day, regardless of the academics and what we got done, that that was really, that was our job. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you had this fabric with arrows that was black and gold and white, and you had gone to such detail to make sure that, um, you know, that was how you were setting things up and that that was what was important to you. So just right off the bat, I knew where your heart was and um, kind of set the tone for um, what I knew was important to you from the very beginning. So mm-hmm. anyway, I don't know what you thought about me going around the rooms, checking on it. <laughs> was not- I was like, oh gosh, who's this crazy lady? No. <laughs> yeah. Going around saying, hey, what's in your room? But anyway, so tell me a little oh, bit about... No. Alexa before, you know, marriage and kiddos and all of that? Oh, man. Well, I was just a very, you know, follow the rules, kind of introverted, shy girl. Um, Definitely have like perfectionist tendencies and overachiever, like (laughs) um, hardwired into me. But no, I um, I actually went to Baylor. So I grew up in San Antonio. Um, I'm the oldest of four. Okay. And when I graduated high school, I went to Baylor. Okay. Um, 
which we both know now is the best school. Oh my gosh, um, it is so hard because <laughs> I am dyed red and black from Texas Tech. Oh, so this whole green and gold stuff and Sikkim Bears, I'm, I'm yeah. adjusting. I'm adjusting. You've been purified a little I bit. I have. Only two um, more years and he'll be out, but... <laughs> Yeah, but no, that's always going to be a part of you. Yes, so. yes, I guess so. Um, anyways, but no, so I went to Baylor and I went there for education, elementary education. Okay. And it's actually where I met my husband. Okay. And um, we actually met on the marching band field. Wow. So I played, yeah, I played flute and he played trombone and we met there and... The rest is history. So I did not know here about, we are. about the band story. That's fun. Yeah. So yeah, was that a like, little nerdy, but no. that's okay. Did you play in high school? <laughs> I did. Yeah. Okay. So all through high school and then two years of college. Okay. I did. I did that. So it was a good little extracurricular thing. A little. I'm sure it was very time consuming and it was, and that's actually why I had to stop doing it, but yeah. it it led me to meeting Eric, so yeah, so you, you guys have been married how long now? Uh, nine years. Wow. Yeah, so next year will be the big 10. The big 10. But yeah, it doesn't seem like that long, but yeah, nine years. Nine years. So how long mm-hmm. um, was it before you guys started thinking about a family, and what was kind of that transition like? Um, I feel like that was always a big piece that we both wanted and we had always talked about too. Um, and so when we got married, we tried to wait, but it was hard because <laughs> we both wanted a family, but we also wanted our independence and, you know, our actual lives. Right. <laughs> um, and so <laughs> we tried to hold off, but then eventually um, ended up getting pregnant really um, quickly with our first. And so he was born in 2000, gosh, 2013. Um, so y'all had been married how long at that point? Um, just like two years, That's not two bad. and a half years. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. So we felt like it was a decent amount of time, yeah. but, um, that obviously like changed everything. And, um, you have this little person that relies on you and, you're sleep deprived mm-hmm. and feel like life will always be <laughs> this way <laughs> and it does get better and they do eventually sleep and you know you get parts of your life back um but yeah it changed it changed everything but we um wouldn't have it any other way so right. we've loved being parents well and it's it's interesting, like uh, at the school when we were there, um, you know, I took families on tours all the time. And so as part of the job, mm-hmm. and that was one of the things with moms uh, that I would hear over and over is just, you know, just the sheer exhaustion from the beginning. And you're like, it is going to get better. <laughs> you know, you are going to get full night's sleeps and they'll become more independent. And, uh, you know, you'll get that back. But I think there's always the, you know, all three of mine are grown and there, yeah. There's still the, you still, even though you can go to bed and you're not worried about them as much, there's still this, uh, I don't even know how to explain it, just this still responsibility of 
you know, are they home? Are they safe? Have they done, Oh, yeah. you know, that still kind of lingers, even though you're not worried about tucking them in at night. You're like, are they home tucking themselves sure. in? You know, exactly. Are they back in the house? But it's a different kind of parenting. It's different kind of parenting. I'm sure, yeah, that never goes away. No, which is completely different, different stage. Yeah. But, um, so what was it like going from one to two? Um, for me, going from zero to one was very hard. From mm-hmm. one to two, eh, it, it was just, you know, you just added one. Um, then it got harder. I think it got more exponential as it went on. But how did yeah. you, how was the transition? Because then after you had Hudson, um, you had Henry. Yeah. So they're two years and nine months apart. And I feel like, honestly, going from one to two was harder for me. Just because you start to feel like a greater sense, or at least I did like feel a greater sense of guilt for not being able to split yourself in two. And like I would be taking care of Henry and Hudson would have to be more independent Mm -hmm. and have to watch a little more TV. And I would have to learn how to read a book and nurse at the same time and so it's just more of like that balancing act I feel like right Um, and learning how to give yourself grace over yeah just you know what it's okay and I remember somebody telling me once that they're not going to remember you know but they're even if you you know feel so terrible about the fact that they had to watch an extra 30 minutes or go in their room and play alone while you took care of the baby. Sure, you know, sure. when they're older, they're not going to remember and you're not doing anything detrimental. But as a mom, you're just, ah, yeah. I feel so bad. I should be there for both yeah. of them equally. You want to be everything for everyone at all the time, right. like at every moment. And I feel like you have to realign your expectations and, make them more realistic for the phase of life that you're in and remembering that it is a phase. It is a phase. So um, that was an adjustment for me, but um, you learn how to, you know, navigate it just like you do going from zero to one and each step of the way is a little different, but um, you know, God helps you through it. Exactly. And I think that, like you said, those expectations that we set for ourselves, especially if, because I, I feel like, um, you know, a lot of people that are, uh, like you said, that you tend to be more a, you're a perfectionist or overachiever. You like things a certain mm-hmm. way and have um, certain expectations. My family knows me that if when there's something happening or an event or, you know, a holiday, whatever, something that needs to be done, mm-hmm. my expectation is not everybody else's expectation. And the limit right. that I put on myself and what I think needs to happen is not necessarily what actually needs to happen. Yeah. It's just my own self-inflicted idea of yeah. and so the older you get and the more practice you get and the longer you're a mom, I think the more you go, mm-hmm. you know what, this can this can go and this is not as important as I, I'm making it. Um mm-hmm. you have to learn to adjust, like you said, adjust your expectations and your priorities shift a little bit um, sure. over time. So, um, so after Hudson and Henry, um, you got pregnant. 
with your third kiddo, um, yeah. Harper, which is yes. obviously, I know, some of your story um, and kind of watched you walk this journey at a distance. And so I just want to preface by saying I'm so thankful that you're willing to share this publicly. And then oh, yeah. I know you talk a little bit about it, um, you know, on social media and you're fairly open to talk to whoever, but just thank you. I feel like I'm too open sometimes. No, no, <laughs> I, no, I don't. I, I think it, it, you know, anyway, I don't want to jump ahead, yeah. but I, I want you to no, feel comfortable to just talk about your experience with Harper on whatever level that you want to, um, sure. and we'll just start with, with Harper. Okay, so like you said, Harper was our third um, baby and first daughter, and um, I saw the pregnancy test for her and immediately started just crying my eyes out, and it wasn't like that cute, like, movie-worthy moment (laughs) of where I was, like, crying because it was just so beautiful, and I was so, like, thrilled. It was tears of... (laughs) like despair and like Like ugly cry it wasn't so it wasn't planned we were happy with our two boys had we always wanted a girl of course had we wanted more than two not really so um it kind of happened when Henry was still really little and I had just finished nursing him and so I felt like I was you know finally I'd gotten a piece of myself back and was trying to like balance out those hormones still. Right. And, you know, I, I got pregnant and we were just in shock. Um, and so I cried because I'm a control freak and this was not <laughs> on my planner in any shape or form. And I was angry and mad that I was having a baby. Um, and so we go through, you know, like obviously I would never have any thought of abortion. So we go through the pregnancy and, um, come to find out that it's a girl. Um, and so at that point, like you kind of, you know, get a little, you know, peppier about it, I guess (laughs) a little more excited, like, Oh, okay. It's a girl. So, so this is different. God gave us this baby because he really wanted us to have a daughter. Okay. And so you start, you know, as a mom, you start looking at all the cute girl stuff. And I planned out the nursery and we picked out all the cute outfits and I had the baby shower. And after having two boys, you never think that you're going to get to really mother a girl. And so, um, I started to get in my head like, yeah, like this is going to be great. And so, Um, we did all that and, um, all three of the pregnancies were like seamless. Um, I never had any, thankfully never had any genetic issues. Nothing ever bad came up on any of the ultrasounds for the boys or for Harper. And so, um, I remember towards the end, I felt like she was starting to not move as much. And so one of my last appointments, I told, um, the doctor that was seeing me at the time, not my main doctor, but another doctor in the practice. I was like, I feel like she's not moving as much. And they just reassured me and listened to her heartbeat and said it would be fine. And that, you know, as she gets bigger, you know, the movements might lessen, which by the way, is not true. So everyone out there, don't believe that. Um, The movements change, but they don't, they shouldn't slow down or stop or lessen. Right. And so I go home and, you know, I feel reassured, but then a a couple days later, maybe not even that, um, 
I start to realize that, okay, it's not that she's moving less, it's that she is not moving. And so um, I wake up realizing it, knowing um, knowing that she's not moving in the back of my mind, like knowing that she's gone, but not wanting to believe it. So I go through the day, like trying to stay calm. I eat something, I drink the juice, I lay on my left side, still nothing. And so I go into my doctor and, um, they are not able to find the heartbeat. And so they send me straight to the hospital where it's confirmed that her heart is not beating. They pull it up on the ultrasound. And um, at this point, um, Eric was actually at work that day, but our neighbors came and watched the boys. And then he like sped to the hospital and got there just moments before um, the doctor confirmed that she was gone. She was gone. And so they tell you that and you're like in shock. Right. Even though a part of me knew it from the start of the day, like I'm still in shock and I look up and I'm asking like, does this happen to people? Like she was perfectly healthy. Like this isn't something, people don't lose babies at nine months at almost 39 weeks. Like it's past the 12 week, like safety zone, right? Like what is happening? Right. And they basically tell me, yeah, it does happen, unfortunately. And so I'm like, cut her out of me. Like I just... It's to have a feeling of being that pregnant and knowing that your baby's not alive. It's just so awful. And so I wanted a C-section and my doctor's like, I'll do whatever you want, but just think about it. Like, let's process through this and like make the best decision um, for your recovery and, you know, healing afterwards. And so um, they leave the room and give Eric and I time and we're just, you know, distraught. Sure. Um, I mean, just like the heaviness of the world, like, um, and so we decide to go ahead and have a regular delivery like I did with my boys. So it's the same hospital I delivered them at. It's the same routines. They hook you up to the same stuff, except they don't put the baby heart monitor on you because there's not one. Mm. And um, everything felt like just normal. And so my body was in a state of shock and like, I wasn't, I was just numb at that point. And I remember trying to like start to tell friends what had happened. And I feel like maybe that's, I don't even remember who I called, but somehow remember you called you me. Found out? Yeah. Okay. You called. So you tell this part because I'm kind of like <laughs> fuzzy on a lot of Yeah. Them. So I remember uh, I was, I, Gina and I had just left work and I was on my way home and um, you called me and said, you basically told me, hey, Harper's gone. Um, I'm at that point, I can't remember if you were headed to the hospital or you must've already been there, but you're like, I'm there. We're trying to figure out what to do. Eric's on his way. And I remember you said the same thing that the boys were going to a neighbor's. And so mm-hmm. I immediately did a U-turn. I called, you know, our boss and I went and picked Gina up and, um, we headed to the hospital. And so at that point, you know, I was like, I I was kind of at a loss. I mean, I know it's, you were going through so much trauma and, and trying to figure things out. And yet all we wanted to do was just be there if we could, not Mm -hmm. knowing really how to help. And so I knew we had a friend, um, a, 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 what's the word? Um, Mutual friend. A mutual. Yes. I was going to say common. That's totally not the word. A mutual (laughs) friend. Um, And 
I'm like, I'm going to call her because I knew she had just kind of walked through this with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew it had been kind of a long, hard journey with them. I thought, you know, she's super wise. Um, she'll have something to say. So we were in the car and Gina called her and just kind of, um, let her know what was going on and had her, um, pray with us and pray for you. And then just kind of had some time to gather our thoughts before, you know, we got to the hospital and, um, by the time we got there, I know there were several other people from church that were there mm-hmm. in the waiting room. And um, then we were able to to kind of get you connected with somebody, this other mom that had walked through some of this. And then, because um, I know at that point, there had to be just so many decisions that I would have, you, you don't anticipate. I mean, I'm sure you guys mm-hmm. had no idea that this was something you were going to be having to make decisions that you weren't expecting um, right? and things that were evidently, you know, fairly time sensitive. So, mm-hmm. you know, aside from having to have um, Harper and not get Keeper, right? I mean, what, mm-hmm. what was that first few hours like um, of having to make decisions and then knowing you were going to be planning a funeral and... Yeah. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a lot and just, it was hard to really process it as someone that was going through it. It was almost like I was like doing it for someone else. Like I'm having to make these choices, but it's not for my daughter. Like this isn't happening to me. Like your brain kind of does this weird thing where it's just like a protective like mechanism that it's trying to you know, it's a huge trauma that you're going through. And so, um, I mean, you have to decide what funeral home you're going to use because the funeral home comes and picks the body up and you have to decide if you want to cremate or if you want to do, um, like a burial. And then you have to decide if you want to do a cremation, like what kind of urn you want or a burial, what kind of casket you want. And, oh, what cemetery do you want her to go to? And, oh, what plot at this cemetery do you want? And, oh, what headstone do you want? And, I mean, it goes on and on. Oh, do you want to do an autopsy on the body? It's like all of this stuff and financial things are all interwoven. And it's just decisions that no parent ever wants to, nor should they have to make. But right. in addition to having to just purely make the decisions, you're also still pregnant, nine months pregnant right. with the child. And so it's just, it's a crazy um, combination of all kinds of emotions, but the biggest one is just numbness. And so I remember when you guys came up, like I was really thankful that you were there and um, like it meant so much to have our friends come and um, pray over us or be in the waiting room praying. But I feel like a piece of me was still like hoping like, oh, she's going to be born and like everything will actually be okay and the doctors will be wrong and like she'll be breathing and I'm praying for a miracle. And um, you kind of always have that hope until they're actually born. Um, until that moment, you kind of hold on to that. Just maybe, maybe hoping that, God will change his mind or the doctors would be wrong or something like that. And so, um, so I know you had a couple of things that happened in the hospital. Like somebody brought you, um, a box of something to help with, um, 
I don't know if it was more like a memorial type of item for you yeah. to eat. And then you also did some um, really great, I think, pictures that I would sure. have never, I think both of those things would have been so far out of your thought process of something yeah. that, that would be, you know, you have such a short window of it, of deciding or even thinking about it that um, talk to that because at some point, you know, hopefully somebody, and that's part of the whole process of this, this podcast is somebody's going to listen to these, that this is going to touch and this is going to help. Mm-hmm. So what were a couple of those things that, that you were able to do while you had that short opportunity window? Yeah. So, um, so the hospital gave me a Hope Mommies box, which Hope Mommies is an organization that um, is a Christian organization to support women who have lost through miscarriage, stillbirth, or infant loss. Mm-hmm. And so I got a little box from them. It had a Bible, a Bible study, like um, little notebook, tissues, candles, like little things like that. But I couldn't even really touch that or look at it because... It was just very overwhelming, but um, the organization that it led me to was really, really great because you do feel super alone when you go through something like this and you feel like this doesn't happen to people. And so just having um, connections with other women who have gone through this and survived it is really um, healing. But when I was actually in the hospital, and I just want to preface this by saying, like, people will tell me, oh, Alexa, you're so strong, like... I just admire you so much. I don't know how you did that or still do it today. Like, you're just so strong. And I'm like, no, (laughs) I am not strong. The only thing that is giving me strength is Jesus. And everything that you see is Him through me coming out. Um, I am a weak, sinful, you know, vessel that He is using. And so I don't take credit for any of um, the decisions I made in the hospital or even that I'm currently making. Um, I just prayed for his strength and guidance the whole time. And so when we were in the hospital, um, we called the photographer that was going to come and had scheduled to come to do the newborns just, you know, a few days later. And so she was thankfully available to come up, um, the next day once I gave birth and take photos and I knew those were going to be the only pictures we would have of her forever. And so I felt like I had to take a lifetime of pictures in this like, you know, hour, two to three hour window. And it's just impossible. You know, like I still think back and I'm like, Oh, I wish I would have gotten this picture, but she took so many beautiful, beautiful photos. And, um, I am like forever indebted to her. And she's like a part of our family now. Um, she had taken pictures of our family for years, but to do something like this just, um, was so meaningful and special. And, um, you know, I'm just going to cherish those forever. And so we had her come up, um, And then, or we had called her to schedule her to come up. So then um, when actually Harper was born, um, was a really hard moment because you don't really understand the phrase like deafening silence until Mm -hmm. you have a stillbirth because the room is so quiet and silent that it is deafening and it's so heavy um, and hard and all those, if you've ever given birth, like all the emotions and joy and the baby cries and sounds and smells that come with delivering a child, like all of that was just blanketed in this heavy, heavy grief. Right. The nurses were crying. My doctor was crying. I was obviously crying. And so um, when she was born, she was just perfect. She was seven pounds, five ounces, like completely um, 
you know, nothing was right. She didn't look deformed or weird or, you know, anything like that. And um, as soon as she was born, the doctor noticed that her umbilical cord was in a tight knot. And so that's what he attributed her death to was that it had just tightened. It had formed at some point and tightened enough to um, cut off all of the, you know, blood flow. Okay. And so, like, what a crazy thing. Like, what are the chances, you know, of something like that happening? And so, um, it was really hard, but at least, you know, I am glad that we have somewhat of an answer as to, like, the literal why. Right. Um, even though we'll never know the bigger whys. And so, um, that's that's how she passed. And then... Um, some of the other things I did in the hospital were call up um, my friend who owns a company called Prince and Clay, and she had done imprints of the boys' hands and feet, and I had scheduled an appointment with her for just like a week after Harper was due um, to go and take her and get her prints made, and so I thought in my head, I'm like, we're not going to get to do that, and so I asked if she would come up to the hospital, and she was so gracious to come up and um do prints. And I mean, what a like weird thing to ask someone like, Hey, can you come up and, you know, hold my dead baby and do impressions of her hands and feet? Like, yeah, but she but was what? so sweet and loving and it just all worked out that she was even available. Yeah. Um, but what an so, amazing thing to have knowing that, you know, you've at least got a little tiny piece of something that you can yeah. hold and look at aside from the pictures that yeah. um, that you had the forethought that whether, you know, like you said, whether you were making those conscious decisions at the time that, you know, you were listening to maybe nudges of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, don't forget you did this, mm-hmm. you know, and, and mm-hmm. see if, you know, I'll make it work. I'll get yeah. there. And so, yeah. So what did the following days look like? I mean, at this point, the boys are how old? And then you've got a funeral and a burial to plan. How how did this be? So Henry was like 22 months. He wasn't even two years yet. And then Hudson was four. And so like having Hudson come in and having to explain that his sister was dead, like that might be a whole other right <laughs> podcast on you know parenting children through grief, but right. that was incredibly um, hard just because he was old enough to get it, you right. know, and to understand like, oh, like my sister's here, but she's not coming home with us, and right. um, parts of it were confusing, but parts of it he understood, and so um, just trying to you know, be there for my living children, but also grieve my child that's gone while trying to plan a funeral, which is an insane thing to do, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I just had this uh, like supernatural boost of energy that the Lord gave me to power through those like 48 hours or whatever it was, because we were back-to-back meetings, appointments, um, to pick out like the headstone, to pick out flowers, to meet and do the casket and meet with the church to plan the schedule of actual how the funeral would play out and all of that in and of itself. I I haven't obviously been in any of that for my own, you know, immediate family, but Mm -hmm. I've been through that with a a grandparent and helping kind of go through my parents navigating that. Those are just heavy, uncomfortable conversations in general, much less for your own child that you didn't expect 
in a right. hugely hormonal state and yeah. uh, like, grief, oh, the and grieving program. state. Yeah, you're yeah. like, I don't know. I, I, like, I what songs do you want playing? It's like just decision after decision after yeah. decision. And right. the last thing you want to do is make another decision. But it's like the only thing that you can see at that point is just all these decisions. And right. so... Like I said, I feel like God just gave me some kind of supernatural strength to, because also, okay, not to mention, I just gave birth. Right. (laughs) Okay. So not only am I, I mean, this might be TMI, not only am I bleeding profusely, completely like sore and, you know, all that, um, my milk is coming in because that still happens whether your baby's dead or alive. Right. And it's like, I'm still postpartum, like very newly postpartum. I left the hospital like less than 24 hours after I gave birth. And I've never done that before, but I had to get out of there. I'm sure. Because I did not want to listen to all of the live babies, you know, crying down the hall or, you know, even be like, once we handed her over to the nurses for the last time, like I was done, like get me out. Yeah. And so not only are all these decisions happening, but I'm also freshly postpartum. And it's just crazy to me that all of that occurred at the same time. And I'm still like here. And like I said, it's only by God's grace that any of that was able to happen. Right. So once, once you guys, um, you know, you've gone through the funeral and the burial and, and I can't even imagine trying to get, you know, I don't even know how you go to the next step, but I, I know part of, you know, and just watching and following along your journey, um, you know, you, you've been pretty public about your grief, at least, you know, talk about it some on social media. And you, I know you visit the, uh, the gravesite on a regular basis and, mm-hmm. and try to talk about it. How has that been? Has that been, has it been hard or easy to process it uh, openly. I mean, had there mm-hmm. been, in terms of like, I'll just be frank. I had, I have sure. some family members that have kind of been through similar situations and I've heard other conversations that it's very uncomfortable for a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, which really is not the point, right? It really right. doesn't matter about their comfort level. Um, yeah. but how have you gotten any kind of feedback from people that it's hard for them to see which it's it's your life it's your experience it's yours to share it's your story God's given you for mm-hmm. whatever reason like you said you may not know this side of heaven um but what that what's that experience been like trying to live out the last couple of years and deal with your grief and yet also you know, the feedback that you get from family and friends and how's God kind of provided. Does that make sense? That question? Yeah. Super random, no. but. No, it does. It makes sense. Um, So, I mean, grief is like a crazy, awful beast. And I feel like, like I said in the beginning, I was in tears because I didn't want it. I didn't want her. And the whole thing ended in tears because I wanted nothing more than her. Yeah. And so it was this crazy thing of like, why did you ever allow me to become pregnant? And then like knowing that it was going to end this way. And so you struggle. And as a Christian, you struggle and you, 
you feel all those emotions towards God and you have those really hard feelings. And um, I made the conscious decision to continue going to church and continue showing up to church, even though I sat in the pew and cried the whole time, even though I sat in the pew and was angry at God and angry at everything the pastor said and kind of laughed in some kind of like, you know, sarcastic way at um, each sermon. Like I continued showing up and God worked on my heart through that. And grief is hard. And two years over two years later, it's still hard. And you feel like sometimes you've kind of overcome a certain part of your story or part of your grief. And then a few months later, it'll come and wash over you like all over again. And so the biggest thing that I've learned about grief is that it's not linear. It's this crazy, you know, mixed up ups and downs all kinds of emotions and there's no start or finish to it. That's like a clear, there's no clear path. Like this is how you get to the end of grief. No, it's like, I am grieving now and I'll be grieving when I'm 90, if I make it that long. And will it look differently over the years? Yes, but it's never going to go away. I'm going to have it forever. And as far as like sharing and being open, um, it's harder for me to not share than it is for me to share because by not sharing, I feel like I'm um, kind of suppressing my daughter's life and kind of putting it in this little box and wanting to bury it and lock it and tuck it away. And when I share, I feel like in a way I'm getting to mother Harper in a way that, um, you know, I don't get to physically on this earth. And so, When I share, I get to keep her memory alive. And even beyond that, when I share, um, I'm, sh- I'm sharing Christ. I'm sharing the gospel because, like I said, the only reason why I still even can function and I'm not in the fetal position in my bed every single day, the only reason why I get out of bed every morning is because of Christ and what he's done for me, um, you know, and the power that he gives me through the Holy Spirit. And so by sharing my daughter's story and by showing other people um, what Christ has done for me and all of that, that's a testimony, you know, to God and that gives him glory. And so, um, you know, before I would always struggle as a Christian, like, oh, I know we need to, you know, evangelize and share the gospel, but it's so awkward. Like, how do you really bring that up with like, you know, people you work with or, you know, whoever it is, a stranger at the grocery store. And it's like, okay, now I think I get more opportunities to talk about Jesus than ever before, because all it takes is a simple, how many kids do you have? <laughs> Question. Exactly. Which is a very common, I will tell you, between mothers. It comes probably even before, like, what do you do for a living? It's like, that is the question. And mm-hmm. um, I kind of struggle with wishing that my answer didn't have to be so complicated sometimes. But I also um, know that this is my story. And this is, you know, the the children that God has given me. And so I use it as an opportunity to share Christ, um, in addition to just sharing about my daughter. And so... Um, like I said, I'm probably a little <laughs> too open, but I've yeah. never gotten any like negative feedback. Um, and I will always say four, you know, when people ask me how many kids I have. So, and I, I have to say, I love that. You know, one of the things that um, the Hope Mommies group that uh, 
we were introduced to through all of this um, did during that time was put on a balloon launch. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm wearing, I'm wearing, I don't know if you saw uh, when we, yes, I'm wearing the Remember Harper shirt. It's one of, yes, one of our favorites. Uh, Reggie wears his all the time, but um, you have Aww. this balloon launch and, um, it was, you know, tell a little bit about that. But we, you know, Reggie and I went to this balloon launch with you guys. And honestly, I, I didn't know exactly what it was going to be. I had an inkling. Um, I was going, you know, to be there to support you. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew a couple of other people for, from work were going. And uh, it was raining that morning. And I yes. thought, well, surely they're going to cancel. Um, right. And I was like, I kind of hope this is awful to admit. I'm like, I kind of hope they do because I had two miscarriages when mm-hmm. before um, in between two of my kids. And I don't know what the difference is in the timing of maybe the way things were handled. I mean, I'm quite a bit older than you are. Um, but it wasn't, I don't think I ever looked at it as... I mean, there was a definite amount of grief. There was mm-hmm. a definite amount of, of guilt of mm-hmm. I must have done something wrong, um, right. that somehow this is my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, I anyway, I, I kind of wanted to, well, maybe if it rains and it, I will, like you said, be able to avoid it and suppress those feelings even after, you know, 26 years. Yeah. And I remember going and... Um, Everybody was getting balloons and writing names on them. And I just like wanted no part of it. Um, mm-hmm. And Gina uh, was like, she knew. And so she right. came over and she was like, hey, do you want to get one? I was like, no. And she's like, let's get one. And she was trying to help me, encourage me, walk me through it. But um, it was hard. Yeah. Even, you know, even after. 20-something, even my husband, it, we both kind of struggled with it a little bit um, mm-hmm. because you do. You don't realize, I think, how much you suppress things when you don't talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. But so I've always been and that you share. And, and, and two, I think it's a reminder to people that are in your circle of influence, people that you are friends with, people that you do life with, to just a reminder of, hey, I'm still grieving and I'm still, you know, like, I don't want to move on and forget my my friends mm-hmm. and things they're going with. It's a reminder to me. Right. You know, to pray and, and lift you guys up and that you're still going through life without Harper. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's such a, I mean, it's such a true thing that especially with miscarriage, because you can so easily suppress it because there never really was a fully formed baby and you probably don't have any pictures or things like that. And so it's so much easier. It's not such a big lump to sweep under the rug, you know, as a stillbirth, but it's still alive and it does still carry with it love for that child, which when you lose it turns into grief. Right. And so, um, I feel like it's always going to be there. And at some point you're going to have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And I remember when you shared that with me, um, about you and your husband, I was just, you know, I don't know. I just, I felt like I was thankful that it happened how it did because, um, I know that was meaningful to you guys, but, um, even talking about it now, I feel like it can maybe help other people to know that like, you don't have to have a nine month old 
you know, a nine month pregnancy, gestational pregnancy, um, end in death to deserve, you know, mourning. Right. Um, it can happen at any phase in the pregnancy. Right. And so, um, you know, life begins at conception. And right. um, I feel like some people don't feel like they have permission to grieve because, oh, it was just like a six-week loss or whatever the case may be. But right. um, the truth is that you do and um, that baby's waiting for you in heaven. And, um, you know, it's it's still a loss and it still carries with it those those strong deep emotions right um, so part of um part of what happened within the next few months things kind of changed for you again yeah so it didn't take long well at first I was like I can't do this again <laughs> but it didn't take long for us to get pregnant again um with another little girl um, which still blows my mind that we even have her and that she's alive. But um, we did get pregnant and ended up giving birth to Hattie. Um, so she was born on April 10th of 2019, and we lost Harper on May 22nd of 2018. So they're like less than a year apart from one another. Um, and also May 22nd is our anniversary. So that's an interesting day for us. Wow. But, um but yeah, so they're very close and it kind of happened like so quickly that we were still in heavy grief while we were welcoming this new life. And so, um, I don't know, it's hard for me to talk to other people about it sometimes because I don't want them to see it as, oh, great, they got their live baby and now they can ride off into the sunset and live in happiness and joy. Because even though, yes, she's brought us so much joy and love and we are so thankful for her little life, um, it doesn't in any way take away right. our grief for Harper. Like they, they ride alongside each other um, and they don't, they're not overlapping. And so um, has she brought us joy? Of course. But has that joy replaced the grief no it's just like I said kind of walking together um and so yeah we're so thankful for her and you know that we have the opportunity to raise a daughter um here on earth and that we have one waiting for us in heaven um and kind of a full circle moment I guess is when you were talking about when you first met me in the arrows I was like when you were sharing that, I started to cry. Aww. I'm like, I can't cry. I haven't even said a complete sentence in this podcast. I can't well, start I'm this crying because I started to, and I'm like, you know me, so, I can talk at work without crying. So I'm like, oh, I know. If we no. make it through this with no tears, I'm going to be pretty proud of it. <laughs> so, like with the arrows, it's like, okay, as a Christian mom, like my greatest goal for my children in my life is that I would leave them, lead them to Christ and, um, you know, point them to Jesus and show them Jesus and encourage them in their relationship with God. And, and so there's a Bible verse about how, you know, um, arrows in the hands of a warrior, like, you know, children and like our children. And I always think of the, um, what is it called? <laughs> I always think of the, um, bullseye right. as, them getting to heaven, like acquiring that strong relationship and living, you know, a Christian life, accepting Christ, trusting him, having faith in him that he died for our sins and 
walking through the gates of heaven one day. And so it's like, um, one of my arrows, like I have three arrows with me, but one of them is already in the bullseye and that's Harper and she's in heaven. And it's like so hard as a mom to, um, not be able to have those moments with her, yeah. not be able to parent her here on earth and have those memories made. And I miss her every single day. Um, it doesn't ever go away. It never lessens. Um, but to know that she is in that bullseye and she's with Jesus, um, that's like mission accomplished, you know, mm-hmm. as far as a mom goes. And so I try and really look at it in a, in a selfless way. Um, because selfishly I want her here and I would trade all of it to have her with me, but in a very selfless way, I'm like, no, like she is in the most perfect place and she is where I want all my children to end up one day. And so, um, I always think of that whenever I see arrows or, you know, any of that. So that, um, reminded me of (laughs) your little story of meeting me, but, um, But yeah, I love it. You're, um, I know that you um, say that you don't feel like you're a very strong woman, but I, I do know yeah. that what I see, <laughs> you allow it God's strength and you mm-hmm. call on his strength. And that's such a big thing because even yeah. though sometimes as believers, we know that God tells us, you know, so many places in the Bible, but in Joshua, uh, you know, right. one is one of my favorite where he just says, you know, be strong and have good courage. And for me, it's always just, I'll never leave you. I'm always here. Um, mm-hmm. And, but sometimes it can be really hard to be obedient and not turn our back and, and say, yeah, but this happened or you let this happen or I don't understand. Oh, but but yeah. to have the, to have the faith to say, okay, God, just get me through today. Just be with me today, be with me right now sure. and show me what to do right now. Um, you know, I've gotten to have kind of a back row view of getting to watch you walk that journey. And one of the things that I think, aside from being open about your story and sharing, um, you know, what you have been through with Eric and the boys and losing mm-hmm. Harper and then now having Hattie, you know, one of the things that I have loved is being able to um, read your blog. So for people that are listening that identify with what you've been through, uh, what mm-hmm. you've shared today, if there's something that resonates with somebody um and they would want to reach out to you or read your blog or find something, you know, where could they find, uh, where could they find you to maybe reach out and touch base with you and maybe hear sure. a little bit more? Yeah. Um, so we have our blog slash website is called um, ahomeyettocome.com. Um, so they could always go there. There's like a little section or one of the tabs at the top that says connect with us. And so you can send us a message directly from our website or you can always find me on Instagram. So it's just um, Alexa Van Hall and I have a public account there so you can follow us there. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm just, I'm so happy to be able to share and hopefully encourage other people. And I think the number one thing that um, my story has taught me is that God's love for us is not based or dependent on our circumstances. And so it's not like, oh, 
this really good thing happened to me, so God must love me. Or, uh-huh. oh, this really awful thing just happened, so God must, like, be angry at me or must not love me as much. Or, like, what did I do that caught? No, it's like, God loves us, period. And he loves us fully and perfectly. And he showed that love to us by sending Jesus to die on the cross, um, you know, in our place. So that we can die and spend eternity with him if we have faith in him. And so it can feel when you go through something hard, no matter what it is, um, you know, cancer or a loss or some kind of trauma, it can really make you question God's love and like make you feel like, God, where are you? And God, why don't you love me? But what I've learned is that his love is not dependent on any of those things. And he's loving us through all that. And he's walking with us through all of that. And he's using our pain to, um, you know, purify us and to teach us and to grow us and to deepen our reliance upon him. Um, and so it's hard for us because we want to understand, we just want to know the why and all the different parts and pieces, Right. but you just have to step back and, and let go and realize I'm never going to get all this. I'm never going to understand. I'm going to put my, you know, trust in you and have a blind faith that you um, are good and that you are working good in my life, even when it doesn't make any sense at all. And so I feel like sometimes he gives us like small full circle moments with like little things like, oh, that's why that happened because then that led me here and, you know, like a mini version. And I believe that he puts those in our path so that we can have um, a deeper trust for the big circles that are never going to be completed in our minds until we get to heaven. So It's it's so um, funny you put it like that too. I was talking to somebody the other day in an interview that was very similar, um, but a friend of mine once uh, put it like that in that, you know, I think if God shared the whole big picture with us, sometimes it would scare us to death mm-hmm. um, of what was coming. And he just asked us to, you know, hey, like he did, uh, you know, with Abraham, hey, I need you to get up and leave and I need you to go here. Or right. I, I just need you to leave with your family and I'll tell you where I want you to go later. And mm-hmm. that he just wants us to go down the hall and then he'll tell yeah. us whether to go right or left. And yeah. it it's that blind faith of, okay, Lord, and um, being able to see his past faithfulness, his past faithfulness with us is what helps us to trust him in the future because he has sure. been faithful with the small things and the big things, the hard things and, you know, mm-hmm. the fun things. But um, knowing that he's been faithful in the past sometimes is just the one thing to cling to when you don't know what's coming is do I have the faith to trust that he knows what he's doing, that he's doing it for me and for my good. And then it's my ultimate, like you said, my ultimate purification. And that purification process is hard. It's yeah. hot. It it burns and pulls the, mm-hmm. the impurities out and are skimmed off. And, but man, yeah, to consider yourself a vessel worthy of being purified mm-hmm. is, is an honor. So Thank you so, so much for sharing. Of no, course. I love you dearly. And I'm, I love you. I love you guys. And we're praying for you. And just know Reggie and I wear our Remember Harper shirts proudly. Oh, and somebody asks, we get to share. And, um, yes. So I'm very thankful. I love you for guys. You. All right. I love you. Thanks, Alexa. Okay. Thanks, Lynn. All right. Bye. Bye. 
Hey guys, thanks for listening. Man, God is so faithful in the good and the bad. And what an honor it is for me to get to chat with these women um, and these sweet souls. Uh, Be sure and subscribe to us on iTunes. We would appreciate it if you leave a great review. If you don't want to leave a great review, just skip that part. You can check us out on our website at drivethroughmoms.org for all of our stories and other resources. Until next week, happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday.